Yes, hello. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm Jason Louve. My guest today is Gabriella Herstick, who is returning for her second visit to the show. She is an author, columnist, and witch based in Los Angeles. She's also the author of Inner Witch, A Modern Guide to the Ancient Craft, and many, many other books, including her new upcoming book, Sacred Sex, The Magic and Path of the Divine Erotic. She is the priestess and co-creatrix of Kink Coven, a monthly full moon ritual play party that casts a spell of protection on sex workers and raises funds for mutual aid groups and organizations supporting them. Gabriella's work and words on the intersection of the erotic, esoteric, and the divine feminine have been featured in a bunch of magazines, including Vogue, International, Nylon, Cosmopolitan, Glamour, The Guardian, Flaunt Magazine, and more. In her latest book, which you should definitely pre-order because it comes out in like two weeks if you're listening to this right when it comes out. In her latest book, Sacred Sex, The Magic and Path of the Divine Erotic, Gabriella dives deep into the history, current, and practices of sex magic. Definitely a topic that nobody's interested in. Filled with ritual, tarot spreads, affirmations, and spell work for releasing shame, claiming your sexual power, and finding a path of erotic magic that's right for you. Sacred Sex is a liberating, experimental, and non-judgmental guide to making your sexuality a central part of your spirituality. It includes everything from kink and sacred SM to working with the tarot through the lens of love and lust to glamour magic as part of sacred sexuality. Written for anybody of any gender, sexual orientation, and relationship format. This book is here to guide readers deeper into the realms of the esoteric and erotic. All right, so enjoy the show. We have a lot to talk about. And Introduction to Magic, our brand new course on binary magic, my all new version of magic, which is, I can say without reservation, currently the best introduction to the subject of magic as a whole on the entire planet right now, is now available again at magic.me, M-A-G, ICK.me. In this class, you will unleash your true self, discover the magician within, and recreate your reality. We'll take you from zero to 60, building the skills of magic step by step and guiding you at every stage. And I personally will show you how to leverage the world's greatest spiritual technologies to recover your true self and shape your life in the image of the person that you truly are. It really is a good class. I have to say, it was a bit of a rocky period for us and for everyone during COVID, and there was it was really tough, and it's tough coming out of that era. And it's still tough, but one of the things that has happened on our end for that is we have put so much work and thought into redefining magic, not just for this era, for a completely new world, but for a new century. And there's a lot of really, really creative and and innovative stuff here happening at the magic.me offices, not just with me, with the whole team. And we're making some really, really interesting breakthroughs, I have to say. That means in terms of technique, theory, approach, bringing new technologies into the fold of magic, including artificial intelligence, blockchain, all kinds of stuff, virtual reality, doing virtual reality rituals, which have been going very, very well. 
I think that we're really laying the groundwork and putting down roots for a completely new flowering of magic as a discipline as a whole. And I kind of feel for the first time in my life that I'm actually hitting my stride and really organizing and presenting stuff in a way that is much, much closer to the way I've always wanted to do it. So I'm really excited about it. I want to share it with you. And it is an amazing class. It's Introduction to Magic. And you can find it right at the top of magic.me, M-A-G-I-C-K dot M-E. All right. I will see you in class. And here is Gabriella. How's it going? It's chill. Did laundry. Edited here. So Excellent. Excellent. So I have begun to read your book. It looks super, super good. Is it out right now or it's coming out shortly? It comes out July 12th. It looks really comprehensive. My God, thank you. Like it's definitely lots of research and, you know, personal gnosis, all that shit. But it was probably definitely my most like research heavy book to date. Yeah, it looks really, it looks like a, like a, it looks very practical and like it will definitely be a go-to reference. Uh, so it's called Sacred Sex, The Magic and Path of the Divine Erotic. Do you want to talk about what your book is? Sure. So my goal with this book was to, you know, I, I was actually approached to write it and I'd been wanting to write something along these lines anyway, but I really wanted to offer something that people could use to help make their sexuality a central part of their spirituality and kind of dissolve that idea that or help dissolve that idea that like sexuality and the erotic are unimportant or that they're you know something to be shameful about or sinful or like even more than that that like there's only one way for these things to look i feel like a lot of the books that i read about sacred sexuality and like sexuality and spirituality are very like penis and vagina equals sex and like it has to be masculine and feminine and like there's it i feel like especially in like the past 10 years there's been such an expansive rewriting of like what sexuality is and like gender and you know there's been an emphasis on consent culture and like i wanted to be able to include all of that like i wanted anybody of any relationship style whether they're single or poly or like even you know like aromantic or asexual or like trans or gay to be able to pick up this book and find themselves in it. Um, and I wanted it to be both like have historical context, talk about how sexuality and spirituality are not separate things, haven't been separate. Like it's only really recently that there's been kind of this, like, I guess, divot with, within those subjects and like talk about the different traditions that are already incorporating these, you know, separate paths, I guess, is one. And then within that historical context, like make it very accessible, like have people be able to explore their sexuality in a way that feels really like sane and not even sane. I don't like that word because it's irrelevant, but in a way that feels very personal and also give people like magic and tools to use to actually like practice sex magic and like connect with like the living force of sexual energy in the world that I call the divine erotic. And I just wanted to do it in a way that wasn't just like, you know, white cishet old man kind of voice. And um, up until recently, it's been a lot of kind of, unfortunately that, and yeah. So those are the, the goal. Yeah. One thing you point out 
uh, early on in the book, which I thought was really interesting and I definitely wanted to ask you about, is you talk about depolarizing, like kind of getting away from the idea that it's like, you know, ma masculine and ma feminine. Uh, and that that's like harped upon in like every single sex writing, sex magic writing. Obviously, it's very gender reductive, but uh, I wanted to just ask you what you what your thoughts were on that, what you meant by that and what you what you're pushing your definition, your definition towards instead. Yeah, it's a really good question. So I think for me, like, I mean, I am pretty fucking straight. So like I do, you know, like that is something that I've had to think about a lot because it's like you know, my kind of orientation and also like what I feel like so many of us have been taught regarding like what sex is and like virginity and all that stuff. And I think for me, what felt more important is like less focus on like the actual like anatomy and more on this idea of like polarity being the world that we exist in, right? Like there's like the, what I call like the divine masculine, the divine feminine, but like within that, like those are opposite ends of you know, one, they're opposite ends of one spectrum. And within that spectrum, there's all the space in between. And I think when we take a step away from like, yeah, this, like, I think to rewrite our relationship to like sex magic, we have to rewrite our relationship to sex and be like, well, it's not just this one definition of like what that is. It's not just, you know, penis and vagina, like penetration. It can be all of these things that bring us to pleasure, allow us to experience like a more, ecstatic form of being and when we're able to rewrite that then like our relationship with that within a magical context expands as well um and yeah i just like i've i don't want my book to just be for like straight people who want to like eye gaze and practice tantra which is like not actually tantra, you know <laughs> yes Sh sharon tantra as i sometimes call it <laughs> so but that's super interesting and and i i i feel like it's beyond even just you know i guess talking about penis and vagina and defining sex as that but even beyond that just in so much writing about sex magic or you know however the authors are talking about it there's so much gender essentialism like the masculine energy and the feminine energy the divine masculine the divine feminine and embodying that and people get so hung up on that and to me that always feels so limiting and it, it kind of like if you really look at it it's kind of like if you really step back and look at that like when people are talking about divine embodying the divine masculine it's like it's like why can't you be more of a man bro is kind of what it comes down to or vice versa and that seems very like there was you may have come across a writer named david dida who wrote a book on yeah like he's yeah like he's kind of the, the culprit for a lot of that but the but i noticed that even in like a lot of sex magic writing for queer people it's just like well you know you can you can embody the divine masculine or feminine no matter what your external gender is and even that feels really reductive so there's got to be a better way to approach this that is not gender essential i think that's really important yeah i mean i feel like it's all energy and i feel like you know i definitely i talk about both of those aspects in, in my book and i think that like you know, there are like, I definitely identify as a woman. There are people who identify as man and there are all the variations of gender within that. So it's like, I, I don't necessarily believe that we have to like totally 
dissolve that polarity because I think there needs to be space for all the expressions. But I do think that it comes down to like rewriting that for yourself. And like, I don't know, I I'm still kind of not necessarily struggling, but I am figuring out like what feels right. Cause like as somebody who like works a lot with the divine feminine with goddesses and like identifies as a woman, like I do relate to the energy. And I also relate to like the quote unquote masculine or projective or more active, like, energy within myself. And I, I think that recognizing that those kind of coexist at once, that both truths are, you know, real and that like, it doesn't have, it, it really doesn't have anything to do with your gender. Like I, that's one of the reasons I really like, like the idea of big dick energy. It's like, it's an energy <laughs> and you know it when you see it, right? Like daddy is like a, an energy that you can embody. And um, yeah, it's definitely hard. I, I, I just think it's so annoying when like the, people that write about sacred sex are like the woman must be receptive to the man and then she opens <laughs> up and he uh, blah 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 and shatters her world like it's so it just like cringe and gross and it just like oh like i just don't want anything to do with that but i also want to like honor the fact that these like at least for me and my experience and my work like with like magic and like there, we do live in a world of polarity. Like we do live in a world where there are these kind of opposing forces, but it's not just that that's it. It's that those are the endpoints and that we get to exist anywhere between them that we want. And that for some people, it's going to be on one side more than the other. And, um, you know, I think with sexuality, especially like it, it's so personal and it takes so much self-exploration and like people who are queer or trans or like asexual like they naturally are going to have to do that exploration more because the culture that we live in doesn't assumes that everybody is cis and heterosexual so like there's already more of like an understanding within these like marginalized groups because they you need to do that to even come to the realization that like you're not fitting into like the quote-unquote like expected or normal paradigm but even beyond that like i think that sexuality has to be intensely personal and it's not something that's in it can be obviously in relation to other people and i think that's a big part of it like sex is something that we share but like one of the things that i emphasize in this book is that it has to start with yourself and that or it doesn't have to but like it's always going to be more powerful and that your sexuality is something that's not contingent on other people that it's something that is yours that you get to explore as you feel called and like that means again, like coming to your own conclusions about what things are. Yeah, that's a really powerful idea. And I, I did know that you called that out right away. And I think that's really important to highlight that you really start from the basis that sexuality is something that needs to be defined from within yourself. Uh, first of all, and that's something that a lot of people struggle with, not only because of social conditioning, but uh, because of early life conditioning, because of abuse, because of other people projecting their sexual needs or roles onto onto them. And that's really deep stuff. I, I think that my own conclusion is that if you really want to know who somebody actually is, the place to look is is their sex life because it's how they fully express. It's where they express themselves fully. And I also don't think there's any difference between sexual and spiritual energy. Yeah, it's and, the same and, thing. It's yeah. the fucking same thing. And I think that's like one of the most insidious lies that we've been told like in the past, however many hundreds of years in the Western world is that like, they're totally different. I mean, you look at any other tradition and there's like teachings about how those two things are like different sides of the same coin. And I feel like, 
like my experience with being like as somebody who's like kinky has gone into altered state of consciousness like within that like it's the same like subspace is like the same feeling that i get after like a really intense ritual like it's again it's all just energy especially sexual energy the energy of like creation and it is it, it is spiritual energy and it might not you know like again i think any kind of magic needs to resonate with like the person practicing that and it needs to fit into like your life in a way that feels really authentic and integrated and like not everybody's gonna be like super horny and want to work with sex magic but like if you're called to it then you know like i think that's again like in the book, I, I talk a lot about like releasing shame and releasing guilt around these things or feeling like it's unimportant and like, you know, like claiming that it's something that's important to you, like taking the steps of being like, I don't have to feel shame for this like exploration of something that brings me like pleasure and embodiment and like self-awareness, like, cause it is just another part of the spiritual path. And I think even just like looking at like your dating life or your sex life or your relationships as like practices that are part of your spiritual path just makes your whole life even more magical and more integrated. Yeah, let's talk about that because I think that's really, really important. You do write a lot in the book about cutting through shame and guilt and you even have a tarot ritual in there for it. I am really interested in your thoughts on that, how you're approaching it, where you think it comes from in the first place, I guess, societally, and what the path through that is for people beginning with identifying it because sometimes people don't even see that they have it yeah so i mean i grew up jewish so like i grew up with jewish guilt which is pretty different than like catholic guilt it's more like guilt about just surviving i think versus like impure thoughts and stuff so i definitely had like i would say like a lot less in that way to cut through but um in this book called Come As You Are by this like sex therapist named Emily Nagowski, she talks about these like three kind of different messages that we get surrounding sexuality. One is from like the media and, you know, it's like if you don't do everything under the sun, you're a prude. But then also if you do a lot, if you have sex just for the sake of it, you're a slut, right? Just like opposing messages to begin with. Um, and then we have this like message from like like the medical message, which is like, if you have sex, you'll get pregnant and die. And that, you know, like STDs will fuck up your whole life. And that if you have an STD you're dirty and all that shit. And there's also this like familial religious message. That's like, we grew, like whatever our families said. And like, if we grew up like in a, like the Catholic church, for example, there's like all of this layers of, you know, having the, your thoughts being impure, which is so insidious that like, you have to feel like shameful about your thoughts when your thoughts are like, just, not even real or yeah. true necessarily most of the time. Um, so it's definitely like an uh, amalgamation of like, yeah, like the media, the like living in the Western world. I mean, I feel like we're really seeing right now that like the separation of church and state is absolute bullshit. Like the state is trying to control our bodies based on, um, you know, these arbitrary bullshit religious ideals. Um, and like, I might not have grown up, christian or catholic but like i was raised in the bible belt in the deep south where like i was surrounded by mega churches and had people who like thought i was going to burn in hell for not believing in jesus and like purity rings were a thing and that was like a trend <laughs> so you know like there's definitely a lot of ways that we inherit these beliefs and again like we're taught that like yeah sex sells everything but like especially if you're a woman or somebody who's like not like a, a cis man like 
if you claim that, then it's like not good. And that if you claim that and like own it or like manipulate it to get what you want, then it's like, you know, shameful, like shameful or evil or right. Like you're labeled as like satanic or like, you know, we have the example of Lilith in the Bible of like, or Talmud rather. Um, so it, there's not, I don't think there's one place that shame comes. And I think a lot of the time it's like very, if you're at least like, Oh, you can be aware of it, but like, there's like so many layers to it. Like, I really feel like it's kind of like a spiral where it's like, you'll rid yourself of a layer, like an onion or whatever, like you'll rid yourself of one layer and then you'll come back and there's another layer to rid yourself of. And like, it might not be as potent or strong as before, but it's like, Hmm, that's like still lingering. And, um, you know, like I think sex magic is really powerful because we can use it to like we can use sex magic to get rid of sexual shame and we can use like that energy as a way of like clearing out these old beliefs. And it's not just going to happen overnight. It's not just going to happen with one ritual. And like, you know, like you have to walk the walk and, and talk the talk. So it's like saying the spell is not enough. You have to really like do the other things in your life, whether that means going to therapy or like talking to friends or like allowing yourself to like explore your sexuality, like in little bits um, it's, it's really nuanced. And I think that's, you know, like not, my book is definitely not going to solve anybody's problems. I hope it helps them, you know, release these beliefs. But I, one of the things that this, um, come as you are talks about is like, and that I talk about in the book, it's like, once you start kind of separating what was fed to you and what the media told you, or like whatever it is from outside of yourself, you've got to figure out what you believe in. And it's, you know, like you're, you're banishing these old beliefs around feeling bad about these things or that feeling, you know, like pleasure in your body is evil. And instead you've got to like rewrite positive and supportive beliefs around that instead, which is like what a big part of magic anyway. So, um, you know, like it's definitely difficult. Like I still come across shame in my own life around my sexual expression. Like I get it. But um, I think having like a community or people that can help you alongside spiritual practice is really important. Like we're not, we're not meant to do this life alone and having that kind of like community sangha, whatever you want to call it is like, is a, is a big part of the path. So, you know, but magic can definitely, definitely help. I definitely agree with that. Community is really important and often very hard to find, particularly in America, if you're not in a big city. And I think that I kind of want to ask you, like, I feel like a lot of this suddenly takes on a completely new context and resonance in this year, just in the wake of everything with Roe v. Wade and all of that. And all of a sudden, like, it's a way more entrenched and, and for keeps battle. So that, and, and that I'm sure anyone who is not, you know, <laughs> you know, not Jerry Falwell is probably feeling that and who wants to redefine their own lives and their own sexuality. It's like all of a sudden that's a lot more dangerous. Not that it wasn't dangerous before, but suddenly it's, you know, we're, we're looking at losing legal protections. So I kind of wanted to ask you about that, like what you're thinking about that, if you feel that puts things in a new light at all. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it's like what going back to what I said, where it's like we were told there's a separation of church and state, but it's like, I mean, like 
both Islam and Judaism believe that like the, when it comes to abortion, like the health of the mother is the most important thing. It is only Christianity that says that like the baby needs to be saved before the mother. And yet those are, you know, like it, it definitely just shines a light on the fact that like we're, we're a Christian nation for all intents and purpose. Um, but I, you know, it's, it's really difficult. Like, I mean, like, obviously there's things that we can do. Like there are like, herbal ways of procuring of you know starting abortion and like you can use different herbs and like obviously like you can donate money but it's like it, it's such um it, it feels so overwhelmingly just like a losing battle like besides like doing all of the political actions like and you know as magicians i do think we have a responsibility to do magical workings and like i you know send out energy and do all of that stuff as as well as do whatever we can politically, whether that's donating money or, you know, like phone banking or volunteering. But I think it just really, I, I think that in a lot of ways, like obviously, you know, especially as sex, which is like using protection and practicing safe sex is super, super important and more important than ever. But it's like, I live in California. It's like very easy for me to say that where it's like in places like Texas, it's like you, it's, like you can't even get, you know, like access to these things as much like, or at all. So it's, I definitely feel overwhelmed by like, what can I do besides the things that I'm doing both like on like the material plane and then energetic plane. But I think that in a way, continuing to honor sexuality, despite of the ways that people are trying to stop that, whether that means solo or partnered or just like you know, even things like dressing in a way that feels good or wearing something that makes you connect to your body or like just spending time, like healing yourself and like taking care of yourself, like that exploration takes on an even more significant, I think, aspect of our magic because it is so like, it is so like, I mean, in a way, like kind of satanic, right? Like going against this expected thing of like okay well you're doing this thing so i guess i should just stop having sex now or should just get married and then fuck and that's it but um you know that's like that's not what the left-hand path or even the middle way is about it's about like radical autonomy and that means finding ways to persist when there's people persecuting that kind of expression and it's really hard it's really fucked up yeah i, I know we've talked about the ways of past week, the past month, the past two months in the United States have been like a fucking hellhole. So I, I, I don't really know. I don't have a lot of the answers, but I do think that rituals of healing and realigning with our bodies and honoring the grief and the fear is super important. We can't just be like, oh, it's going to be fine. Like that's, you know, that's spiritual bypassing. So like we, I, I think that tending to ourselves and really honoring the physical self as we do so, especially around things that have to do with like sexuality, like abortion rights is, is really important. And then as much as we can aligning politically and magically to like, to support, you know, it's not just one or the other, like the power comes when we work on all, on all planes in all ways. Yeah, I agree. And as you were talking, I was just thinking it's been really amazing to me and I wasn't really prepared for it just throughout my adult life exploring sex and alternative ways of being and things like sex magic, how much sexuality really is the third rail 
in our culture and how dangerous, it, it, you know, unexpectedly dangerous, you know, exploring it really is much more than the idea of magic. The idea of just magic itself is fairly prosaic. And I don't think people get that triggered by it unless you're in the Bible belt. But sexuality is such a third rail because it's where everyone's biggest emotional charge is built up, right? I mean, we're talking about shame, guilt, desire, uh, frustration, uh, and that people's whole self-image is tied up in it and what they believe it to be and the way they define it. And so it's kind of, I've, I've, it really is the third rail just individually often because of just in working with people just because of abuse, things like that. This is what, and uh, past sexual history, a lot of the stuff you've talked about. And then culturally, even more so, particularly now because of all of the, because of, I mean, I don't think that we should be, you know, not clear about it because of the Christian right in America, right? It's like, like you can clearly lay the blame there, I think. And, and, and now to the point where it's, where people are beginning to lose legal protections. And, and of course, it's not going to end with Roe v. Wade. It's going to be gay marriage. It's going to be trans rights. It's going to be, it could be, you know, anyone who's into paganism, you know, so that might be being a little bit too alarmist, but I, I think it's always good to think about all possibilities. And so now it makes it really serious. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. It's definitely, again, I think that's like when, as magicians, we kind of have the upper hand because like a lot, I mean, it's like magicians, sex workers, like people who are already kind of, you know, or trans people, queer people. It's like, there's already this like marginalization and this like self-awareness. And it's like, we have to, we just have to be there for one another. It's like, you know, it's like, just, we can't just brush it off. Be like, Oh, this isn't affecting me. So I don't have to worry about it. Cause like you said, it's like, it's going to, it's going to affect you eventually. You know what I mean? And um, I think that we have, yeah, like as magicians, as people are that work in the unseen realm who are also a lot of the time, incredibly politically active or at least like involved in some way um, we have, we have a responsibility to use that like magic, you know, like I definitely feel like, I struggle with being like very individualistic when it comes to like magic and that stuff. And like, obviously like magic at the end of the day is a quest for power, even though it's a connection to something greater and, you know, aligning your will with the divine will, whatever it is, it is still in some ways doing your best to control your reality. Right. And that's really important. But at the end of the day, like at least as somebody who's an occultist, but also a witch, it's like, it has to fit into the ecosystem of like, of all the spirits of all humans. It's not just me. It's me as a part of something greater than myself. And that is when we have a responsibility to use the tools, whether physical or energetic to, to protect others, to protect our communities and to protect people outside of our communities. Cause if we're just insular, then like nothing's going to change. Like I say that I live in Los Angeles. It's like very easy for me to turn a blind eye. And like, I've definitely been guilty of that in the past and I'm always trying to do better and grow, but like, we, you know, we have to think outside of our just like little box. And I think that when, you know, it's like a lot of the time we have to reach a breaking point, something shitty has to happen before we like are snapped awake. Right. So it, it's, it's terrifying. And I mean, you know, like, especially like this is kind of the shit I think a lot of us expected Trump to do. And then it's like, we have this democratic president and it's happening still. So it's like, well, 
you know, like we're it's it's definitely like I think what the U.S. is going through, it's like Pluto return very soon. It's like intense, intense growing pains in a very in, uh, volatile kind of way. But I, you know, like I'm I'm just going to be as much as I can optimistic that if we continue doing what we're doing, like I think that if we let ourselves be pessimistic, then we fall into the trap of being like, well, this shit's going to happen anyway. So it doesn't matter. So like, you know, I don't want to be, I don't think being nihilistic about any of it is going to do anything, but keep us in this muck. Well, that ensures failure. You know, it's like, it's like, do you want, do you want little to no chance or do you want no chance? <laughs> you know, So I think in terms of talking about the ecosystem, which is a great way to put it, just defining things, uh, I definitely think it's past time to make concessions or deals with the Christian right at all. And I've been guilty of, of simping a little bit for Christianity in the past. But I think that one thing that's really helpful in pointing that out is, do you know Chris Hedges? I do not. So he's kind of a lefty reporter, activist. Uh, but he's a really interesting, he's one of the most interesting writers on the, whatever you want to call it, the dissident left. And he used to write for Truth Out before it shut down. But he is also a Lutheran minister. And he's kind of like, his whole thing is just like super, his whole obsession is American theocracy and getting, trying to get the Christian right out of politics and showing that like his whole thing is like, we are headed for theocratic fascism. And anyone who doesn't think so is, does not have their eyes open. And Trump is only the beginning. And he was not even theocratic, right? But he was a backdoor just like Reagan was to institute more, to go push further in that direction. But the really interesting thing that he points out, which I had never really thought of before and was so helpful for me in crystallizing thinking about this, is that from his perspective as a Lutheran minister, he says very clearly, it's not Christianity that's doing this. It's heretical Christianity. Like the Christianity that's in America that is the the kind of apocalyptic literalist fundamentalist the crazies right like they're the ones that got kicked out of europe for being too wacky like they're a cult they're a, they're an apocalyptic cult and they're like literally like like the actual definition of heresy of completely breaking with for instance even the catholic church you know, the catholic church is not apocalyptic at all and they they're pretty much forgiving of or they're very realistic about human nature i think maybe too realistic sometimes but that I think is really helpful to contextualize in considering the spiritual or magical climate in America where it's so easy for people who are Christians to just like be like, we are the good guys because we're Christians. We're on the side of right. It's like, no, you're a, a heretical apocalyptic cult. You're a bunch of loonies. And that makes it sound way more cool than it actually is, honestly. Calling that like an apocalypse. And like, that sounds like vaguely, it sounds like it could be fun, but it's just, yeah, it's just like so hate filled and like so just like self-grandizing and like like you said like it's i i i definitely have a lot of bitterness in my heart and now i'm like well it's fine now it's definitely like there's a reason but yeah i mean i always think of the fact that jesus was just like this dude who like got enlightened and like was like hey this is actually possible and like i'm gonna do it and like love everybody and i'm gonna hang out with sex workers and i'm brown and queer and like it's just been so warped because it's i feel like any religion that says you have to go through someone else to connect with the divine is like in a lot of ways i have i have issues with like that's why i think that like sexuality is so powerful because like if you've ever 
had an orgasm, then you know that you can literally just like hang out with the divine, like whenever you want to just fucking come. And it's, yeah, I, I think that like reframing the, the Christian right in this, in this country as something like, yeah, like you said, like heretical is at least makes me hate the actual philosophy and idea of Christianity less. Like, even if it's founded, like, I just don't, I just don't want to waste my time. Like with that energy, it's just like, right. I'd rather transmute that into like action or like use that to, to fight back in another way versus just being like really upset all the time. But it's, it's fucking hard. Yeah. I do feel that it is helpful to think about it in that way, though, because when you conceptualize it like that, it cuts it off from the mains to it basically cuts that off from the power mains to the Christianity as a whole. When you see that it's a it's a pathological, heretical sect. But at the same time, so that when thinking about it like that, suddenly it becomes a lot more manageable and you see it more clearly for what it is, because Europe is, a you know, Europe is Christian. Well, they're post-Christian, but, you know, that's essentially a Christian society and they don't have all this craziness it's because they they shipped all the crazy ones here in australia but the but i also don't think that anyone should be any under any illusions about the christian right or how far they want to go and case in point greg abbott the governor in texas about a couple months ago posted on instagram a black and white picture from the 1950s, which was new, the New York skyline, but with the windows, this is apparently actually happened with the windows lit up. So it was the New York skyline with crosses on each building. And at first I was like, wow, that's really goth. Cause this is kind of like mid, mid future, but medievalist skyline. But I don't think that, I think the message there is pretty clear about how far they want to go. It's like, I think they're, they are thinking about it as a crusade or a reconquista or something like that. And I also... Do the total, all the levers of power in the American government. So... Yes. Yeah. Which is totally ridiculous also because they're also super anti-Semitic. But it's like, it's like, what? <laughs> I imagine. Well, for them, it's just this literal way to get their way to have Jesus come back. And it has no, no relation with... Any, but but these are the people that have hijacked government, and uh, it's it's suddenly scary to be back in the place that people were in in the eighties. And and I, I've been pointing out a lot recently that whatever cognitive or sexual freedom people have won can be taken away very easily. Jen, in the you know going through the eighties and the Reagan Thatcher period, Margaret Thatcher wanted to put people with AIDS in concentration camps, things like this, you know, and people were getting arrested for BDSM practices and thrown in jail and all this. And Jen always told people in Topi, it's like, don't be surprised if you get your door kicked down in the middle of the night. So I think that the, and I also just wanted to say like, even prior to this, it's amazing. It really is amazing to me how far you have to go in America to get even a little bit of sexual freedom. And what I mean by that is literally, I mean, like make, getting to moving to like Los Angeles or New York or somewhere where there's at least people who are a, a little bit away from like that hive mind of, of repressive theocracy. It's not like that in Europe. It's like that here. It's, a, it's specifically an American thing. If you compare it to Germany or um, 
even you know England is bizarre, but but in their you know they they have much fewer hangups even in their own ways. So I do think or that France. the internet and social media helps. It's like anything, right? Like this, like the internet has can be really helpful. It can be a fucking hellhole, right? Like black black web, black I don't remember what it's called. I don't hang around on there, but I do like you know I. I lived in the deep South till I was 22. And like, I even being able to find a magical community online was like, so fucking liberating. And like, yeah, like, you know, there's like websites like FetLife where you can go if you're kinky, it has not been updated since the nineties. And the servers are very scary looking to me personally, but like, it is a lot easier to like find information and to explore this stuff for yourself. And I, I definitely feel grateful that at least now there's like, a lot like you can go to your local barnes and noble or your local you know bookstore even walmart and target like have books that are like related to this stuff like you it might not be like the most up-to-date stuff but it's definitely like it is more accessible and it's you know i think that it's you have to have that drive within yourself to like seek these things out and not everybody does but like for the most part, if you do have an internet or like a library card or like a bookstore that you can go to, which not everybody has, especially in like way more rural, you know, areas, um, it, it's it, but it is getting easier. And I do feel very thankful to be alive at that time. And when like we can be having these conversations like through the the ethers and like it's, I I do think that we're we're moving forward as we're moving back. Like it's weird, but I do think those troops can coexist at once right and like i'm not going to be locked up for like being a masochist like that's not in like the the dsm or whatever it's called like that was removed like 10 years ago like should have taken a long should have been you know bdsm should have been removed from that a long time ago but like we're slowly at least still making some progress and it is easier to find community and like i do feel thankful that things like zoom exist so we can like you know, gather and meet and talk and it's not so isolating, but it's also like, yeah, there's definitely like privilege involved still. Cause like you have to have internet connection or you have to like be able to like go to like a place that has, you know, these things and not everybody has access to that. So it's, you know, it's like, it's like anything else. There's it's nuanced. Yeah. One thing that I think about a lot is the writer, William Gibson, who wrote Neuromancer and all those cyberpunk books had a great phrase which is the future is here it's just not evenly distributed yeah and i think that's really clear right now it's like and the idea of america is just it, there is no america it's like there's it's so different depending on what state you're in and what city you're in within that state and what part of that city you're in and when you think about how monolithic america is compared to how small even countries in europe are th like even trying to conceptualize this is one thing is just is a non-starter so i want to with that in mind i wanted to ask you you talk a lot about breaking conditioning i want to ask you how what's a good way for somebody to start we don't even necessarily need to talk about sex magic although i imagine people who listen to this podcast are more amenable to that to that idea but you talk about sacred sex and somebody who just wants to begin exploring their sexuality and maybe breaking conditioning and trying to which is probably the best way just to define yourself as your own human being where can they start and i'm thinking in particular of you know somebody who doesn't have anybody or any reference points or systems of support around them in the middle of missouri or something like that and they listen to this podcast and they don't know anyone who's into this 
which I, and these are things that I always take for granted because I'm me, but most people don't know anybody else into this. So magic or whatever. Um, honestly, because I'm really air sign and I find a lot of like clarity and writing stuff down. Um, I would suggest like literally just writing down like your core values, your core beliefs, like what you believe around about the world, like whatever, you know, this conditioning you want to break is whether it's like your sexual attitudes or like what you believe spiritually or just about the world. And like, I, again, like this is from my perspective, like I do think that like writing things down is very in a way alchemical you're getting it from you know your mind to the physical page but you could also like doodle or mind map or like even record like a video or a voice note or something but it's just about like taking the time to do that in your exploration to like see what it is that you believe and once you have that in whatever format works um you can use tarot cards if you have tarot cards or you know other divinators divinatory systems you have like to to help facilitate this if it's something that feels really difficult but like you know write write these beliefs write whatever it is and then like just asking yourself is this something that I chose for myself or was this something that I was told and it's hard like it's it it's not easy and it gets difficult to disintegrate or like to separate um, and to discern those things. But I think that like, again, like having it not just in your mind and creating a, you know, I always suggest creating as much of a ritual space as makes sense for, for you, whether that means like lighting candles or doing a banishing or meditating, like the more that you honor this exploration is something that's important to you. Like the more deep, the, more deeply you're going to be able to go into it. But I think that like having those beliefs around again, like whatever kind of condition you're going to break is really important. And that can also like going back to what I said about these inherited beliefs around like sexuality, specifically like shame and guilt and feeling like you're dirty or you're not enough or too much. Like that is so fed. um, And it's so around us in, especially if you're consuming media of any kind um, that it, it it's pretty insidious. You don't necessarily know it's there. So I think that that's uh, like a, a good place to start. And then, you know, like you might have to do it over a certain amount of days. You might have to like maybe come back to it in like a week and then dig deeper be like, okay, well, this is what I believe. These are the things that I was told that I don't actually believe what it is. What do I believe? And like, if you have these like negative beliefs um, or like all people are evil or sexuality is something that like, I don't deserve to explore, like using the inverse of that, like, how can I turn this into something that's supportive and positive and then rewriting that. And even using that as like an affirmation or breaking that down into like an affirmation that you feel comfortable believing, like, be like, I am starting to feel worthy of exploring sexuality or I am like, I'm beginning to believe this, this or this. Cause like, you know, there is like some cognitive dissonance with affirmations where like you want to kind of say the things that you're stepping into. And I think that's really valuable, but you also like, it, it has to be like, it can't be 10, 15 steps away from where you are. Right. You want to, you want to gradually get there. But I do think that like, you know, clearing away those old beliefs, even just recognizing the ones that aren't yours and seeing how that's conditioning and that's not actually your truth. And then choosing new beliefs for yourself, even if it feels like you're kind of wearing something that doesn't feel right, or like you're, you know, like it's, it's going to be uncomfortable. Like that's just, that's part of it. And especially with sexuality, like 
even affirmations specifically that don't even have to do with sexuality. Like it does feel really cringy. It does feel really awkward. You just got to do it. And like with anything in life, like I really, my motto is laugh or die miserable, bitch. Like if you're not going (laughs) to laugh at the universe, she's going to laugh at you and you will die miserable. So like having a sense of humor with this and not taking yourself so seriously is is just going to make it a more like enjoyable process. And you're not going to want to like, roll your eyes into another dimension and like spontaneously combust. Like you're that having that self-compassion and that like kind of sense of like irreverence with it, I think is really important, but I, I feel like that would be my first step. And then from there, like, again, like I think that using sigils is really powerful to like banish and replace that with new beliefs. And like, I love using the framework of the tarot. And I talk about that in the book too. Cause like, if you're a perv, you can make anything perverted. And I think it's really fun to like, look at this, these keys that have all of this like really intense symbolism and meaning and that are egregores and like working with that within a sexual framework. But again, like, especially if you're doing this, if you're just doing kind of deconditioning around these beliefs that have nothing to do with sex, like the tarot would be a really good place to like, you know, work with these things as, as guides and support, especially if you don't have like a community or anybody around you to help. That's really great. Really, really powerful advice. I agree with all of that. And I think even just starting from asking yourself the question, you know, just going, taking inventory of what you believe and and asking, is this what I really believe or was I just told this? That's really like uncomfortably serious and powerful work. I often think to myself, it's like, I need to do this on a consistent basis because it's not like that. All that stuff is so deep rooted and whoever, you know, it's, it's also whoever installed those beliefs in you just got them from someone else and we, we're still running these patterns for, that maybe started thousands of years ago. Yeah. That and nobody, I feel like nobody consciously too, chose. Yeah. I feel like too, with like relationships and sexuality too, it's like our partners are going to influence us. The people that we like come across to explore these things are going to influence us. And it's like, it's hard. I mean, like I've even, you know, like I've seen it like in other people where like you'll start or, you know, you start dating somebody then like you start like seeing the phrases that they're saying, or you start like, they start dressing alike and it's like it's it's just it's like a deeper level of banishing and it is you know again like i'm the same way i should probably do this more and i have definitely couldn't use it more but um i think just coming back to again like one of the things they talk about in this book is having your own kind of set of ethics and having like your own beliefs because like that is what has to guide you if you're turning outside of yourself for like what to believe or what like makes you a good person or like what is like like right it's always going to be inauthentic and it you have to like i think that releasing those things that aren't yours to carry is going to allow you to find like your your true north a lot easier and then when you're able to carry that through whatever like relationships or partnerships or like hookups or like explorations like it's so much it's so much easier to just like allow the stuff that doesn't resonate with you to like fall away that's really well put. I mean, there's the doctrine of Thelema in a nutshell right there. I think that one thing, one framework of thinking about things that I picked up from Reiki and therapy that was really helpful for me in thinking about a lot of this was understanding that we're constantly producing energy and there's really only two ways that your expressive energy of yourself can go outwards into the world or internalize, extroverted or, or introverted. And nowhere like there's nothing i think that sets those switches more than sexuality 
and it's really like the different it's like you know and it and it is the difference between somebody who was able to for lack of a better way of putting it bloom you know like fully express themselves and somebody who goes through life shut down and there's so many people in the world who are just traumatized and shut down and that's a big part of it and i think that the idea of exploring magic and the reason why sex magic is so important to expressing the true will is it's the idea of like everything that you're saying deconditioning breaking through these limiting beliefs getting getting you know letting the the you know river of your true nature break through all those obstacles to express outwards and and it's interesting how how that dynamic plays out in a relationship too because i think in 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 everyone's relationships there are things that you have perhaps a safe space to open up and express that you didn't before and also things often that are not okay within a relationship where you get shut down and you can't express that part of yourself because the other person's not comfortable with it and that's like such a tricky dance yeah and so. i think also like remembering that relationships are just mirrors like your partner in a lot of ways like reflecting where you are in your journey can help you know i not necessarily mitigate those conflicts but it is like okay well this is like this is something that you're reflecting back at me and like yeah you can only open up to somebody else the like the amount that you're re- like willing to accept that and open up to yourself and um yeah i i don't have a lot of experience within like committed partnerships so i'm i'm coming at it from a little bit of a different perspective but yeah i having and i think that's also why like the more that we can accept ourselves and the more that we give space to ourselves to explore sexually like even within like partnerships like just in like our masturbation practice or just like with kink or with like you know like queerness or whatever it is like the more that you can have that foundation within yourself that you can then share with somebody else it's like the less pressure that this other person has to be like the everything or that this other person mm-hmm. has to like do all of these things for you because like you're coming at it after fulfilling your own needs as much as you can first or even just being aware of what those needs are and you're showing up like more just yeah like more aware yeah it's amazing how that that i think really is one of the true gifts of the tarot also that it shows you just how how many aspects there are to human beings because every person has each of those things embodied within them and they'll, they'll shift through different or it's one map but it's a pretty good map and they shift throughout those energies and they can embody different archetypes at different times and i think that's a real gift of tarot astrology kabbalah I Ching is beyond the divination or magic or whatever it's just it's just getting better maps to understand people in more comp- complexity rather than good or bad yeah. which is just so dumb yeah that so. like re- that kind of reductive thinking i feel like is so like christian specifically and it's so just like harmful because it, it's just setting yourself up for failure it's like you know it's this idea also it's it's kind of how i feel about like being um like problematic like we're all gonna be problematic because we're humans like that's just part of this experience and the more that we can accept that like there's nothing wrong with just like experiencing life for the sake of it like obviously keeping in mind you know like your own your own ethics not hurting anybody in the process but it like releasing that kind of binary about like good or bad is so it's such a big part of it too and it's definitely it's definitely hard, but I, I'm definitely the camp that like, I think that we're all fractals of the divine here to have as full of a human experience as possible in this like 
physical incarnation because like the divine or whatever it is you believe in the cosmos spirit the universe the all it's not a physical thing so it's like we have like in my eyes the responsibility and the privilege and the pleasure of like having these like tactile sexual experiences and like finding like the erotic past just sex right like in nature or in connection and in community and magic like who am I to deny goddess like her total experience? Like I'm here to do all of those things with like, like my heart to turn to her as an offering. And that includes like the fuck ups and that includes the mess and that includes the pain. Cause like that all will lead me back to like, to love the end of the day is how I see it. So it's like, I think that, yeah, releasing that binary of like, well, if I do this thing, I'm good. And I do this thing that then I'm bad. Also, it makes you like puts you against people. Cause if somebody's doing something differently, then you're judging them. And it's like, I've definitely been in that trap and I'm definitely constantly trying to release that kind of like judgmental thinking, but it's just such a, it's such like a sad way. It's such a small way to live. Yeah. I, I think humans are complicated, chaotic, colorful, messy messes and it's beautiful. And any philosophy that tries to force them to be something else is just bad but bound bound to fail see there's that binary again but but is just it's too restrictive certainly by my way of thinking and i think that in my experience sex magic in particular is such a good way to deconditioning it, it is the way to de- decondition uh especially <clears throat> someone told me with <clears throat> mdma someone i met at some point told me that but the I'm going to be like the Joe Rogan podcast, but instead of DMT, it's like, bro, have you ever done sex magic on MDMA? True. So, I lost my train of thought. I was just thinking about about MDMA. Okay, so, I really did lose my th- train of thought. Uh, that's very Netzakian of you, though. I really like that. I'll, I'll pass it back to you, because I'm just drifting back to my raver days. Go ahead. Um, yeah, I like what you're talking about humans being like carnal and messy. Like, I really do feel like I've like slowly not necessarily been getting on the Anton LaVey train, but I've definitely like been coming around to him as like a magician a lot more and like just digging in a little bit more and like honoring like that. Yeah, I, I really like what he did in a lot of ways. And one of the things he says is like he calls the human the human animal. And it is, we are, we're fucking animals. Like, we really are. Like, so I, I think that having that perspective of like also just being like we're animals, we're here to like fuck and try to find God and have these experiences, but like also like we're gonna be messy and it's not gonna be clean. Like I think it kind of allows a little bit more room for like play and um yeah, that kind of merging of like chthonic and heavenly through the body, which I think is such like a part of sex magic as well. It's like balancing those opposing forces through the power of sexuality which is pleasure which is expansive which brings us to state of gnosis just because it's so like intense um so i do think that you know like i think that sex magic in a lot of ways is like the secret or the key to a lot of a lot of growth and a lot of like very powerful like forms of magic and i think that that's like one of the reasons that i'm so drawn to it is that like it's it's not um it's not like not dogmatic's not the word but it can really be used within whatever spiritual framework you're already working within like you can use it with like ceremonial magic you can use it within like witchcraft you can use it within like i mean even like 
I, I don't really know how it would work within like Christianity, but like, I'm sure like if you're just like using the actual framework of Christianity to like be a better person and you're not like missionary sex magic, huh? Missionary sex magic, lay back and think of Jesus. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you know, like a lot of the saints were having ecstatic experiences while thinking of the divine and like, I think that also set like, again, if we expand our definition of sex, then we expand our def definition of sex magic. It doesn't necessarily have to be like penetration or whatever. It can be bringing ourselves to states of ecstatic experience that are so pleasure filled and so embodied and so present that it, it shifts our mind. It shifts our consciousness. It brings us into personal relationship with whatever it is we believe in. And that can be done in a lot of different ways. So obviously like orgasm is a very, can be a very central and powerful part of that. Yeah. And I agree in terms of it being, well, an open secret, but you know, the key certainly to really fast progress. I think that I mean, my definition, definition of sex magic at this point, because I do think that it should just be an open creative feel instead of some dogmatic, like, well, this is the degree of this and that. And I think your book is really good at opening that up and exploring a lot of new territory. I think that my, I guess if I was, if I was to give a simpler definition and I'm curious what your definition is, just my own definition to myself now that I'm thinking about it is it's making sex about the spiritual because people can make sex about anything. And in fact, this is one of the things that isn't, uh, that impedes sexuality being about spirituality or even just sexuality being about sex and and satisfying it's like people make particularly as you get older i mean sex is not sex anymore sex is about your economic stability it's about reproduction it's about you know you, are you doing this part of your life with this person and what do you give up to do that or it's about foregoing those things particularly as you get older it's like uh, well okay not going and that becomes more pain those choices become more serious and potentially way more painful as time goes on where it's like well you know do what what do i what do I, what is the opportunity cost what do i give up to to express myself in certain ways because you can't do everything so even just like taking the path of marriage and kids versus something else you know so so sex becomes more and more serious and four keeps i think as time goes on and and that i think is anti antithetical to the 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 spirit of just using it as play or exploration not that it can't be that but it just i think it does become um again the third rail it's never easy yeah i mean it makes me think of this idea of like this construct rather of like virginity of like you give something up or you lose something. It's like, you're already like from the first time you have this like quote unquote sexual experience, like you're already like, you're already set, you're setting yourself up to lose instead of like ex experiencing something. I mean, virginity's fake hymens grow back. It's like also <laughs> like, it's just so fucking gross. Purity culture terrifies me. Like, yeah, but yeah, I think that's a really good point that like, you know, and I think that's also something that like, our generations, younger generations are kind of coming up against that. Like there isn't just one way to have a family. There isn't just one way to be in a relationship. And it doesn't have to be like this thing where like you are defining yourself by this other person. Like to me, that feels very scary. I'm very Aquarius. I'm like, I like independence and like self-exploration or like, and self-knowledge or like foundational parts of like my life, whether it's sexually or magically. And yeah, I think for myself, my definition of sex magic is just is working with sexual energy for 
to transform something, to connect with something. It's like, you know, like I think there's when a lot of people start off with sex magic, the easiest way to connect with it is through manifestation because like, you know, it's like we're in a fucking capitalist culture. So people are always like, what can I get out of this? Like, yep. <laughs> and I, I do think that with sex specifically, like it is this thing that creates life. So there is this like very potent energy of creation. So it is very powerful to manifest and like whether that's manifesting something that you need or manifesting more sex or what like experiences, but it's, it's so much like, I, I really like your definition of it is like connecting the spiritual to the sexual. Like, I think that's such a good, um, like more thorough and just like more aware understanding of what it is. Cause it's like, I think we talked, we talked about this in the last podcast, like, you get to a certain point with like magic and it's like manifestation, just it's, you get past that because like, you know, I mean, everybody deserves their basic needs to be met. I don't think anybody should have to do magic to be able to pay their rent, like universal basic income for all, please. But unfortunately, like, you know, like magic is the the tools of the marginalized and we can use that to get our needs met. But beyond that, it's like, it, it's, there's so much more possibility. And I think that like seeing just sexual energy as a tool for connection and for meaning and for like relationship with like yourself and another person or the divine, or like even just to, to deepen your relationship with yourself or to feel more pleasure. Like it's, there's so many ways to work with it. Like I really do feel like not only can you fit it into like whatever kind of spiritual path or practice you already have, but that you can work. It's just, it's like, um, it's just like an ingredient that is so like, it can be as involved in whatever recipe you're creating, but it really is kind of a blank slate for whatever you want to put on it. And I think the fact that it is something that feels good and that brings us pleasure and that naturally just brings us to this state of awareness is like, is why people want, you know, it's like why we see people trying to like to shut it down and to disconnect ourselves from it. Cause it's like, it's such a powerful form of energy. It's such a powerful thing and yeah i think that um i think that that's yeah having your own definition for these things could be really powerful because then it's just more meaningful to you but for me it really is just working with this energy as a means of like transformation whatever you want to transform whether it's a circumstance or yourself yeah definitely and maybe this is a good place to talk about you structure this book as a series of paths which i thought was really interesting and Maybe you can talk a little bit to that and what what you mean by that, what these different paths are and why you structured it in that way. Yeah, good question. So I didn't want this book to just be like me like talking at whoever's reading it. Like I think there was like basic stuff that needed to be covered. Like I talk about like um, you know, like kind of like a little bit of sex ed. I talked about like the a history of like both sex magicians and these different currents, East and West, that influence our idea of sex magic. And then I always want my books to be very like, like something that people can work with hands on. And instead of just having like a list of spells or rituals, I wanted people to be able to like create a path for themselves. So, I mean, the book is called, you know, Sacred Sex, The Magic and Path of the Divine Erotic. Like it's um, a path that you walk on and it's something that hopefully becomes a way of you not only relating to your sexuality, but of relating to the world. And again, like one of the things that I talk about all my books and all my work that's really important to me is that 
your spiritual practice, your magical practice has to resonate with you. You, in my opinion, should include the things that light your soul up, whether that's music or like science fiction or like math. Like there is a kind of spirituality and magic that allows space for those things. And magic should fit like I, I do believe in the power of daily practice. I do believe in the, the power of discipline, like very much so. Um, and I do think that you need to make space for the things you hold reverence for. Um, and I also believe that it should be something that fits into your life. So you should be able to incorporate the things that feel right into your life, into your magical practice. And the same for me is true of sex magic. So whether you're drawn to devotion, which is like one of the paths, or you're drawn to adornment and glamour, or you're drawn to like having relationships as containers for this exploration, like I, I wanted it to be very DIY. Like I, I wanted to have these specific paths that people could take what serves them from, like, you know, take what resonates and hopefully like use the different paths to create their own. Cause like everybody's practice with this stuff is going to be different. I'm, I'm also coming at this from like a very, like, I don't fuck with hierarchy. I don't belong to magical orders. Like I just don't, I just am not into that as much as I do think there's a lot of power in having a lineage and there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of like wisdom within that. Um, I think that again, like, especially with sexuality, like it has to be, it has to resonate with you first. And then, you know, if you want to work within whatever other structure, that's another thing, but these paths are definitely coming at it from like a very personal perspective. And I wanted it to, you know, like I have found a lot of power and a lot of just like, um, I guess power I'm, blanking on other words right now, but I really love having the words to express the path I walk or to express the spell or ritual or devotional I'm doing. I, I find a lot of power in like labeling things. And I also recognize that at a certain point, like you'll come up against that and it won't be expansive enough, or it won't be, it won't be able to contain all of the expressions and experiences within that. But I think that even just having that kind of framework to describe what you're walking through can help you kind of like create the path for yourself. So I think that like having the, like walking the path of alchemy or the divine masculine or the divine feminine and like having your own, the, the path of like erotic embodiment, like having that structure can help you break down the parts that don't serve you and build back up the parts that do. Um, and I also like always write way too much. Like originally this book was like twice as long as it is now. And I had to cut a bunch of stuff, but I really wanted to keep that, those, um, those different paths for people to kind of, you know, like be able to find things within them. It's, I know it's a long book. Like I write, I just always write too much. So it's like, I also think that that way you don't have to feel like you have to read from cover to cover to get something out of it. You can, you know, read the first couple few chapters that kind of lay the foundation and then be like, Oh, like the path of, you know, like um, conscious relationship, or that sounds like, you know, like I'm already in a relationship where I'm trying to have it as part of my spiritual practice, like, or this path or whatever, like, I, I feel like it kind of made it more digestible. Um, and it's just kind of the way that I work. So, you know, it's like, obviously how I'm going to frame, frame the work, the book with like the way that I work, the way, that, like what I believe in. So. Yeah, that that's, it feels more like a reference in some ways to me where, which is good where people can immediately find the information they're looking for and go to that. 
You talk also at the beginning about the history of sex magic, and you, you look at it from the lens of lots of different traditions. I am curious what some of the conclusions you came to about that, but also I'm wondering if, in looking back through the history of these different traditions, what would you say was different for the time periods these traditions came out of than now, and what's the same? And maybe even do they have any you know, advice or wisdom to offer us on the current moment that we're in culturally? Oh my God, that's a big question. I'm, I'm, I might we can break that down. <laughs> be able to really answer it because it's like thousands and thousands and thousands of years. And I, I have, you know, like probably not as wide of like a framework or reference to like what was going on at those times when these things were being created. But I honestly, like, I think my biggest takeaway from studying these different currents is that the, like what I said before, that this idea that sexuality and spirituality are separated is a new phenomenon or new phenomena. Like it is not something that like, yeah, like wild, like the erotic practices within these traditions, like, you know, ta- like Hindu Tantra or Buddhist, like the Tibetan Tantra, like they're way more guarded than a lot of people in the West. I think, think, you know, we have a very watered down, it's not even watered down. It's a completely untrue version of like what Tantra is. I feel like in the West versus like what it actually is. Um, I, I, but I do feel like all of these traditions say the same thing that sexuality can lead you to the divine or that there is, that it's something to be celebrated. Like I, you know, I think a lot about how, like, I, I feel very lucky that I grew up in a household where it was like, yeah, like having sex was like a mitzvah, obviously with like the, you know, the framework of like a married couple and committed relationship, but like, it's still, it's not something that you have to be ashamed about. It's something that's celebrated and not like God presents, you know, themselves in like a drop of semen. And there's like this kind of like very sexual current to a lot of like the writings in, in the Kabbalah, whatever song of songs and stuff. But I, I just feel like for me, like what was just so like, not necessarily shocking, but like more just like, affirming of like my own kind of internal compass was that it's new that we have this kind of belief that spirituality is totally different from sexuality and like how like insidious it is within like the kind of like wellness culture and like within like the Hmm. new age circles and spiritual traditions it's like it's just so like especially like living in california like I, i call them like wellness like karens or like west side (laughs) built like witches where it's like you know like sound baths and all that stuff and i love a sound bath i love the ocean i love like new agey shit to an extent as anybody who's in the esoteric is but it's like even within those circles there's this like shame about like sex and it's like something that's dirty and it's like I feel like a lot of spirituality, like new age spirituality kind of repackages Christian framework as like sex is only sacred if it's this way and like blah, blah, blah. And like, that was something I was really conscious of when I was writing this book. I'm like, I don't want to like sex is sacred when you make it sacred for yourself, when it's something that you bring care and intention for. And like, I don't know. I don't really know if that answered your question, but I, I think that what we can learn from these different currents and these different traditions is that like, everybody has like, just like every kind of like culture has its own folk magic and every culture has its own like 
shamanic practices or like what you could call witchcraft, right? Like working with the earth, working with spirits in some way, shape or form, like there is exists. I, I would argue like a tradition of sexuality as part of these, like probably like often higher teachings that are, you know, more concealed to like the masses, right? Like the esoteric versus the exoteric teachings um, that like it's always existed and that we're actually like remembering it and going back to it. And it's not something new. Like we're just, yeah, like really, really stripping away the, the idea, like these ideas, like that's something I've been thinking a lot within like the, the tarot with like the hierophant who is like, you know, like this person that represents like tradition and hierarchy and like very much exoteric wisdom, but it's also like the card that's associated with Taurus, which is, the, one of the two signs ruled by Venus and it's very much like sensuality and pleasure in the body. And then I was thinking about like the, that card, the Hierophant through this lens of like the divine feminine through the goddess. And I was like, that is such a similar word to Hierodule, which is like sacred servant, the, you know, connected with like the priestesses or um, erotic votaries who would work with sexual energy as like ritual to, for those who would come into the temple to honor the goddess. And I'm like, that is so much more aligned, I think, with like, like the way that I see sexuality and spirituality. But there is like this lineage. We are, you know, like even within, you know, Eastern sex magic or these traditions coming to the West, being watered down and then mixing with like sex magic and magic in the West. Like it is, it's a very unique lineage, but it's still a lineage. And I would argue that we could trace it back to like these erotic votaries and higher duels and like also with like yeah that connection to taurus and venus and the body and like finding gnosis through the body and finding wisdom through the body like it's just a lot of the stuff has been corrupted it's not that it's hasn't been there it's just that it's it's so powerful that like you know unfortunately the church wants to hide it from us or like what society wants to hire hide it from us because it's like when you liberate yourself from those beliefs around like sexuality being shameful or something that's not worth exploring if you want to explore it and you step into that as like with confidence or even just willing to explore it like it is really powerful and that leaks into the other aspects of your life like so yeah yeah i well i was going to ask you why do you think these things were separated at all but i think that's probably pretty obvious in terms of it it is a legacy of christianity that later gets mixed with industrialization and and things like this but one thing that i've really been thinking about recently is even that even the separation of spirituality and, and sexuality within that framework is not necessarily a corruption it's more of a, a, a counter tradition that is at work at there and i, I can assure you as a grim, severe Protestant, icy Protestant boy. The you think about the Puritans, you know, like America was, you know, the the was initially kind of the the frame was set by the Puritans. I think that the emphasis of the Puritans on cutting off sexuality was not just because, like, well, they suck. It's more like that was undertaken on purpose as its own path, as its own, if you will, sex magic discipline where the idea of sublimating taking the sexual energy and sublimating it into power which is also an option i mean the jesuits as well you know is another example of that and you know let's be fair i mean we're talking about people who you know those in related traditions we're talking about people who conquered you know 25 percent of the planet and one of the reasons they were able to do that was lack of empathy and i think that that has a you know that 
that type of sexual um, mutation it has a big part to play in that. And I, I so I think that it's it's a different approach. It's a counter tradition, or whichever one's counter to the other. But I think that also, I had a really I I love that you bring up how insidious the kind of Christian ideas are in getting into new age culture and Sharon Tantra and wellness Karens. I love that. I had a really interesting experience maybe 10 years ago. I can't remember if, if we talked about this before or not. I, about 10 years ago, I was doing, there was a curly ritual called the mass of the Phoenix, which I, maybe you may be aware of. Yeah. So I was doing that like every day for several months. And for those who are not aware, it's kind of like a self Eucharist where you're kind of, but a big part of the, it's like a, kind of a self-consecration ritual and a big part of it is out loud saying that you there is no shame there is no guilt this is the law do what thou wilt etc right which is curly language but the idea being to it's it's a deconditioning ritual and one of the things i realized when i was doing that i was doing this in la like 10 plus years ago and my assumption was like oh this is an anti-christian ritual i'm going to get rid of any i wasn't really raised christian I was just kind of raised kind of secular California liberal, but I assumed that it would be like a getting rid of residual Christian stuff. But what I realized is what the actual energetic process is what I found myself actually deconditioning myself from is beliefs picked up from new age thinking or like California neo Buddhism. And I realized that like that's that was actually what was repressing me. It's like these kind of like weird Christian ideas about things and uh, you know assumptions and and energetic assumptions and things like this that I, I that's what I'm I'm trying to think of now. But like this was a long time ago now. But it was there there really are so many imposed assumptions about how people should be. And one of my one of my friends a long time ago referred to this as ancient Californian wisdom. My God. You know, it's like, there's so much, it's like, if you're particularly, if you're in California or LA, it's like, you know, you're exploring Hinduism and Buddhism and, you know, new age crystals and Gnosticism. But really what you're exploring is Californiaism. Yeah. It's all kind of the same. Oh yeah. 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 That's big again. Right. It's really funny. But I, I think just, I don't know. There's so many dualistic, dualistic assumptions in there. You shouldn't be, there's, you know, self-oriented versus other oriented light versus dark polarity, you know, like you should be vegetarian. You should, Oh, uh, you know what a big one is actually is you should never be angry. Oh my God. It's so, that shit is so, that's a big one. Up The like the rejection of anger. I'm like, what do you think catalyzes people to change or to revolt or to literally transform anything? It's like, and I think it's, it, any rejection of any feeling is only like rejecting that within yourself is only going to dull your ability to feel other things. Like you're only doing yourself a disservice. And I think it's less not feeling those things and learning how to not get stuck in them. But yeah, that's such like the, the love and light spiritual bypassing alongside yeah, like, yeah. lot shaming of like, yeah, you have to like sex is only sacred when it's like in this like container of like, you know, of like sacred relationship. I'm like, fuck that. You can use- <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. It's amazing how conservative new age people can be in the true sense. It really is. Or it's like, yeah, we we have to get to the five D, and we have to like exit matrix. <laughs> I'm like, so you're just like the ascension is just it's just the same thing. It's just the rapture. It's just like yeah, yeah, a hundred percent, 
a hundred percent. It's and and that was a big realization for me. It's like, oh, all this stuff that looks looks like magic on the surface is actually just more. It's just another Christian recension. It's just another yet another version of Christianity within America or within consumer it. culture. And that too, absolutely. It's so much of it, like you pointed out, is you know manifesting it. Like, what can I get? You know, and. But yeah, the other one, but yeah, like anger is bad. That's a huge one. Like, don't be dark. That's a huge one. It's like, fuck you. I'll be exactly how I want to be. And I'll, I am who I am. So like simple, like, it's just like, I love when people are like, yeah, I'm a, are you a white witch or do you practice black magic? Or I'm a white <laughs> witch or I'm a black witch. I'm like, you saying that shows me your true colors so quickly and really just like negates anything else you're going to say. Cause I'm like, you do not know what you're talking about. Like, yeah. Who do you think is labeling this energy? Also saying something that's black is evil is so fucking racist. It's just mm -hmm. such, it's such bullshit. I just like, I'm like, please just show me your true colors straight off. So I know to like not waste my time, energy or knowledge on you. Thank A hundred percent. A hundred percent. The other one that I love is that you're projecting game. Yeah. Like everything is like, like that goes hand in hand with the never be angry. It's like, if you get angry about something, people are like, I think you're just projecting. And the other one that I love is, I think you have some work to do. Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I do. Obviously <laughs> do too. I'm never going to stop having work to do. Thank you. It's called self-awareness, baby. But yeah, it's just, it's, oh my God. I've been watching this documentary on this like teal swan person who's like ah. <laughs> very much that most masterful manipulator i've ever seen and that's exactly she, what she said she, like, you you're projecting i got a pr email about her like a serious like like have you seen this book do you want to copy and i didn't know who she was and i was like the, the the alarm started going off when i was reading this i'm just like just it's so it's like especially like because we don't have access to like mental health. People feel like they have to heal themselves, which I think is like a very noble cause. And also it's so dangerous because there's so, I mean, it's like cults too. Yeah, like yeah. there's people who will prey on that. And, um, you know, I think that like the more that we can, it, I don't have an answer for it. I really don't. But anybody that tells you that your human feelings are, should, are not normal, whether it's like being horny or being angry is just not, or that you're like, macabre sensibilities make you like a bad person it's just it's just a red flag for me. yeah and for sure and i've been, i've had to deal with that my entire life going back to when i was a goth kid from everyone around me so i'm particularly i mean like i think anyone who's sensitive to it i was gonna say i'm particularly sensitive to it but probably just as much as anyone else and but yeah it kind of comes down to like don't let people vibe check you because like what do they know and i think you know for me like we were talking offline a bit about paganism for me magic as it should be is just the magic is the study of nature and even that was how it was expressed in the renaissance they called it natural philosophy and i agree with you human beings are animals and it's not all we are but it's a lot of who we are and that's not bad and the the the, the separation comes from this trying to cut off the animal nature to be something disassociated, an angelic consciousness, a disassociated consciousness. And that's, that's the disintegration. Because if you cut people off from their sexuality, then you cut people off from their physical body. And if you cut people off from their, your, their physical body, you can control them. You can move them around how you want. You can put them in a factory. You can tell them when they're good and when they're bad because they're disassociated from their, their power center their, their energy and their body itself. So 
I think that has a lot to do with it as well. Um, and I think you can, the British empire is instructive in that regard because they kind of went around and brought this Puritan culture. And one of the ways they, they conquered places was cutting off people's indigenous beliefs, same in America and cutting them off from their sexuality and imposing this kind of British stiff upper lip model as aspirational and not just aspirational, but normal quote unquote. It's like, you're either like us, the most sexually repressed people ever or you're not normal. And obviously the hand in hand with particularly with the English, there goes along with that. Let's be clear, like a long history of sexual abuse, pedophilia, just madness. Right. So, like so using fucking canes on the children. It's, yeah. But I think that you really nailed, like you nailed it. Like it's about control and it's when you, when you're disembodied and when you're not connected to yourself or like the larger the ecosystem of like, spirit or whatever like it's yeah you're very you're susceptible to be controlled because you're not you don't have that that self-awareness that connection and i do think that when we have a connection to our own spirituality we're able to find that outside of ourselves in the universe and in nature and like to be able to see like the erotic and everything i think is one of like the really beautiful parts of sex magic like being able to like find pleasure in nature and like in you know like celebrating like the seasons or the wheel of the year whatever it is like i do think that there's you know there's a lot of beauty in that but then it's also like yeah like there was like a bunch of fucked up shit about like paganism too and like the you know like abuse sure. so like present in those like different circles so it's like there's there's no one way you know there's not like one path or practice that's going to be perfect but it's like we have the responsibility to keep to keep evolving it to become, you know, like to become as just better, you know? Yeah, I agree. I, I think for me and thinking of paganism, I feel like I should qualify what I mean by that because for me, I'm not interested at all in replicating pagan practices of the past or LARPing as with like flowers in my hair and whatnot, you know, like I'm just, it doesn't appeal to me. And I'm not interested in trying to be something that I'm not. For me, paganism, when I say that, it's an intellectual orientation, meaning I think the best way I've ever heard it put is, well, for me to rephrase it, it's an orientation towards imminence rather than transcendence. You know, it's like, it's like, like seeing nature or even if you want to make it high, you know, quote unquote, high paganism from the Renaissance, the way they reconciled it with Christianity is you just say, well, the natural world is the manifestation of God. It is God talking. It is God. Right. And that's how they reconciled it. And, and therefore you can understand what quote unquote God is by studying nature. It's internally consistent. It has its own laws. It will express what you need to know at the right time. Everything is intelligent and, and the divine is imminent, not this idea that the divine is in some transcendent other place that you're going to get to when you do your 5d reactivation or you cause the apocalypse because you're a Christian heretic or whatever like that, that it's the transcendent orientation that causes the destruction that we're dealing with on such a global scale. So for me, just a pagan orientation is for, I think one of the most profound ways simply to rebel against the entire system, the, the systematic issues of the planet. Or not the planet, but, you know, certain people on it, you know, like the transcendent 
Because if you have a transcendent attitude, then you can trash this place because you're going to get saved anyways. Yeah, exactly. And you don't have to care about other people because it's like very us versus them. Yeah. And I think that like that sense of imminence, like to me, like that's like very much also how I orient myself, like as somebody like I definitely walk like the the path of like the goddess, like that's how I orient my heart. And like, that's, that's it. Like I see the divine in everything. And I think that also when you have that like orientation, like you're able to see sexuality as like just another part of that because it happens in the body and it happens like it's, it's the most natural thing ever. Cause that's how we fucking continue our species most of the time. So it's like, you're able to find like, I mean, it feels like pretty tantric to me, like finding like the sacred and the quote unquote profane or like finding that everything is sacred because it's an all an expression of the divine. And again, we're all here to just experience that in the flesh because that's the whole point of being a human animal or whatnot. Absolutely. And it, I think that sexuality is not just part of it, but is the central thing. I mean, it's like if you look at nature, everything in nature is consistently in the business of fucking other parts of nature or eating other parts of nature. Yeah, pretty much is, the same thing in a lot of ways. So it's all the, yeah, in, in a sense, yeah. It's just like, it's just uh, uh, highly complex patterns of conversion of energy. Yeah. So. Yeah, for me to just deny not just part of it, but the most central part of it is is just insanity. It doesn't make any sense. It's just more fun to like allow yourself to enjoy sexuality and to be like, this can be as spiritual as like doing my daily whatever. Like it doesn't have to be separated. And it's like such like, I, I feel like it makes a lot of sense, but I think that it's like something that a lot, at least that I've seen being in this field, whatever, it's like a lot more people are like allowing themselves to recognize that and like really claiming it. And it's just kind of like, I want to have fun. I don't want to like, I'm, I feel that's why like I was, I am not super drawn to Buddhism or Buddhism. I'm like, I, I, I think suffering can be fun, but I'm also like, eh, it doesn't really <laughs> like speak to me. Like I know that the world is suffering, but also like I'm here to, embody express and share joy and ecstasy and like that's like for me the most powerful medicine of all like obviously you know there's to experience the heights of ecstasis we must experience the depths of the underworld and pain and suffering like that's just the human experience but to like why wouldn't you want to make something that like it you feel good that you enjoy like part of a spiritual practice which should be making you feel more connected and like at the end of the day if your spiritual practice isn't making you a better person then like what the fuck are you doing so definitely agree p.s i love that you front loaded this book with a quote from mean girls yeah that's, well, that's, that's very you <laughs> there's all kinds of different sexuality i also like originally in the in the manuscript was comparing sexuality to odo from deep space nine where it's like oh boy Bob, that can just transform into into different things then i had to cut it but i still very much i I taught a class with treadwells the other day and i was talking about that i was like one of the beautiful things about sex magic and sacred sexuality is that you discover new parts of yourself and that it's constantly transforming and it's not static that it is ever evolving that you'll probably come back to this like base you know you'll come back to this like form that feels right but like especially if you're honoring it with, you know, consciousness and reverence and allowing it to be something that shapes you as much as you shape it, like it's going to change and there's no one size fits all. And it's not going to be something that's like, 
there there is no limit to like how that can look for you, which I think is very freeing. When you say you come back to this base, or were you talking about, did you mean the base in Deep Space Nine, the space station? Yeah, something like that. <laughs> or just like whatever kind of like normal blob of a belief you have or body, you know, whatever it is for you. But those are the those are the inner order secrets, the Deep Space Ninth Degree. So where can people find the book? So the book is, is, is it, let people know when the book is coming out, what it's called, where they can find it, and where they can find out more about you. Yeah. So book Sacred Sex, The Magic and Path of the Divine Erotic is up for presale on all, you know, Amazon, uh, bookshop.org or whatever. Um, it's through Penguin. So you can find all the links there if you just Google Sacred Sex or um, it'll be out July 12th. I'm having a release party July 16th in LA, El Cid. That's free for everybody who wants to come and watch erotic poetry and rituals. And I'll be doing a reading and probably some other stuff. But um, yeah, you can snag it now. Pre-orders are like, unfortunately, very like big for authors. So if you do order it before July 17th, you'll get a free, like beautifully illustrated PDF ritual. That's an initiation ritual into the divine erotic. And it includes like, it's a self-initiation using the different elements. Um, and I was originally included in the book and I had to cut it, but you can get that wherever books are sold. Um, if you have like a fave indie bookshop, um, you can ask them to order it if they haven't. And then you can find all the links for that on my website at gabriellahurstic.com, G-A-B-R-I-E-L-A-H-E-R-S-T-I-K.com. And then I post all about it on Instagram and Twitter, which is Gabby Herstic, um, at Gabby Herstic. And that's G-A-B-Y. H-E-R-S-T-I-K. Um, I have a Patreon with the same name. I lead monthly sex magic discussion circles and I'm always like doing random other shit. So yeah, but Instagram, Twitter, and then website are the best places to find me. But if you Google sacred sex and my name, you'll, you'll find it as well. There's a bunch of books with the name sacred sex, unfortunately, that are, I don't know. I'm not going to talk shit, but <laughs> Well, I'll vouch, I'll vouch for this one. I haven't read the whole thing, but what I've seen of it looks really good. So, yeah, definitely check it out. All right. Well, thank you very much for being back on the show. Yeah. Thanks for having me. All right. Thank you for joining us for that conversation. I had a lot of fun. Introduction to Magic is our brand new course on magic in theory and practice for a hyper-accelerated hyper digital world it's awesome just go just at least look at it just just look at it look you don't have to buy it just look and just see what you think it's really an amazing class it's at magic.me m-a-g-i-c-k dot m-e i will see you in class okay until next time bye <laughs>